Morning, church. How's everybody doing this morning? If you like cool weather, the last two mornings have been phenomenal. Wow, they've been in the 40s, and uh, it's been refreshing if you like cool weather. So maybe cool weather is back. Got a couple of our members that are back. Rodney's back. Rodney and Doc are back from over two weeks, hadn't it been, Rodney, uh, on a mission trip, so we're glad that they are back. Um, FX is back. If you don't know what FX is, um, when you leave here today, go out these doors, go into the other building till you hit a wall, hang a right, and till you go out that building to our children's ministry in kindergarten through fifth grades. Um, we have FX today, and parents are invited. So if you've never been to FX, you need to go just to experience what that's like. And uh, I know our children are looking forward to today, so FX starts back today as well. We're in a study of the book of Acts. <clears throat> Acts is the fifth book in what is called the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you're uh, not sure where to find it, 28 chapters, 1,007 verses. Trivia that makes no difference whatsoever to our study. If you're wanting to know, there are 24,250 words, depending on the translation that you use. According to Amazon, most novels on average have about 60,000 words. So this is a short novel if you want to go home and read Acts today. That has nothing to do with the sermon, the trivia. But uh, we are in the book of Acts. And uh, I'll get there in a minute. You got me up, right? Okay, good. Everybody's looking at the people in the sound booth. I love sending all the attention back to who's in the sound booth. It's a proud dad, Jason Shuttlesworth. They just had a baby, and they're just doing great. So you, you lo- don't you love see these, these dads of new babies? They just come in. They're so happy. There's not anything you can do to upset them, especially when it's a baby girl. So... This past week on Thursday night, a pretty good storm blew through East Texas. And on Friday, I heard on the radio 8,000 people were still without power. Without power gets our attention. Oh, we've had storms before where there's been hundreds of thousands of people without power. And we're so used to power in our homes, we like power to heat or cool, power to cook, power to heat up that hot water heater so we can take a hot shower without Power, we almost feel helpless. What are we going to do? We need to go get a generator so we can have power. We've got to do something so that we can have power. Isn't that interesting that in our daily lives, in our homes, we almost don't know how to function without power. And yet in our Christian lives, on a day-to-day basis, we can almost go on living day after day without power and it doesn't faze us at all. And so that's one of the reasons we're looking at the book of Acts. We're learning how to be empowered. One author writes, The primary emphasis in the book of Acts is the activity of the Holy Spirit. So we've been basing um, our series, Empowered to Witness. We're looking at a study in the book of Acts. Jesus says in Acts chapter 1, He tells the disciples, Look, I want you to wait. I want you to go back to Jerusalem and just wait. And that's what they did. They went back and they waited and they they prayed fervently. Jesus said, you will receive power. I'm sending power your way. We read about that in John. He told them in the Gospel of John, look, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, 
in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we're learning what it means in our spiritual lives to be empowered, not just empowered on a day-to-day basis, but empowered to be witnesses for Jesus. So we're learning what it means to have power. The Greek word that's used there is dunamis, from which we get our word dynamite. There is an explosion in the book of Acts. God shows up and explodes in a powerful way. And because God shows up in a powerful way, His followers are empowered to do some great things. Where do they find their strength? Where do they find their boldness? Where do they find their courage? Through the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, look, I'm going to send you what you need to be witnesses. You will receive power. So we're learning about the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit, God pours His Spirit out on the apostles as they're preaching to the people. And God pours His Spirit into the lives of Christ's followers. Anybody who obeys God and does what He says, He gives His Spirit. And so we noticed in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, you've heard me say before, I I didn't grow up hearing too many lessons on the gift of the Holy Spirit. I didn't grow up hearing too many lessons on the Holy Spirit, period. And I'm not going to stand here today and pretend that I know everything about the Holy Spirit, but that's why we're reading Acts. That's why we're going through Acts. We're seeing what the Holy Spirit did, what the Holy Spirit does, and how God still wants to pour His Spirit in the lives of Christ followers today. I'm reading a book in my study of Acts. It's by Jonathan Storman. He preaches out in Abilene. He's got a book called How to Start a Riot based on the book of Acts. And he quotes an Anglican bishop. An Anglican bishop many years ago made this statement. Everywhere the early Christians went, they started a riot. Everywhere I go, he says, they serve tea. As you read through the book of Acts, you see a lot of riots. You see people responding in hostile ways. Why? Because as they preach and as they witness for Jesus, that's how people are going to respond. We're not too familiar with riots today. When we come to church, we're not worried about riots. When I get up on Sunday morning, the last thing I'm worried about is, is there going to be a riot at church? I'm wondering, is my illustration going to be good? Am I going to preach too long? Is somebody going to be upset? What if we don't get out on time? No, the early church, they're worried about preaching Jesus, period. And if that causes riots, they continue to preach. They didn't intentionally want to start riots, but they intentionally wanted to preach Jesus. Why did they do that? Because they didn't think twice about being witnesses because they had power. And they were empowered to preach. But we will notice in in our text today in Acts 4, the message we read in Acts was, and still is, disturbing to some people. When you preach Jesus, it disturbs people. And not just Jesus, when you preach Jesus resurrected, it disturbs people. They preached a resurrected Jesus. They preached a Jesus who was no longer in the grave. They preached a Jesus who wasn't dead. We serve a risen Savior. And when you preach that, depending on where you are, things are going to get hostile. People are going to get upset. 
People are going to get irritated all over the world. As you have been reading, people get emotional and violent and hostile when you preach Jesus. And so last week in Acts chapter 3, we noticed that Peter and John are going into the temple and they see a guy who's crippled, he's a beggar, and they heal him. And for the first time, for the first time, he walks. And for the first time, he jumps. And for the first time ever, he gets to go through the temple gates and he gets to worship inside the temple. And so we noticed the sermon in Acts chapter 3 last week and we noticed that Peter talked about the name That name, there's power in the name of Jesus. Eight times in chapters 3 and 4, we're going to learn and see about the name, the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus has power. The name of Jesus is a game changer. The name name of Jesus is a conversation stopper. The name of Jesus, you start talking about Jesus to some people, conversation's over. The name of Jesus will shut down a conversation. It'll end a relationship. It'll stir up some emotions. But Peter and John, they're preaching Jesus. So that's what's going on as we begin chapter 4. I need you to tell you that because they're still preaching. And here's what's going on. Acts chapter 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were still speaking. We're going to see all different kinds of responses in Acts chapter 4. While they're still speaking, I mean, they're going to stop the sermon. They're going to interrupt the sermon. This sermon is over. While they're still preaching and speaking to the people, these folks were greatly disturbed. There's a response right there. Because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They weren't just preaching Jesus. They're preaching Jesus raised from the dead. Now you've got to understand, this is the council. These are the people that sentenced Jesus to die. These are the folks that thought they'd done away with Jesus. They put Jesus in the grave. They no longer have to worry about Jesus. And now these guys show up and they're preaching Jesus and He's alive. And God through His power has raised Him. I think I'd be disturbed too if I was the one who put Him in the grave. They're greatly disturbed. They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. So when you preach Jesus, some people respond and obey. And so we grew from 3,000. We grew from 120 in Acts chapter 1. We grew to 3,000 in Acts chapter 2. We grew another 2,000. So we've got people responding this way, but we also have people responding, they're greatly disturbed. To the point we're going to throw them in jail. We're going to throw these people in jail because they're preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Let's keep reading. The next day the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them of what power or what name, we said eight times, but what name are you doing this? Where do you get the power and where do you get the authority to raise this guy? Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you catch that? Peter, 50, 60 days ago, running from Jesus, denying Jesus. The last thing you'd see was him around Jesus, preaching Jesus. And then Peter, empowered, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, seriously, you're arresting us because we were kind to somebody? You're throwing us in jail because we did an act of kindness? Are you serious? 
There's some boldness there. If we're being called into account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it's by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There it is again. The name of Jesus, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you. So part of the crowd is kind of hostile. Part of the crowd is kind of responding. It's kind of interesting, don't you think, that the folks who had the power to put Jesus to death, to put Him on the cross, to put Him in the grave, are now greatly disturbed about the power of God who raised Him from the dead. Got a little power shift here. And so they're greatly disturbed. These folks don't like the subject matter to the point that they're going to stop the sermon, disrupt the crowd, throw them in jail, seize them, and we're going to stop the situation. Peter says, are we really being tried for an act of kindness? And he keeps reading to them. He says, this Jesus, he's the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Now, he's quoting from a psalm. They knew all about building. I mean, if you're going to build in that day, and for the most part, builders this today, for the most part, you got one corner that you start. There's one corner that the whole structure starts. You got to have a, you got to have a cornerstone. You've got to have a capstone. And they knew what that was like. They would look for just the right stone. And so they'd go through these stones and they'd toss them aside and they'd toss them aside and they'd toss them aside and they'd reject and they'd reject until they found just the right stone. He said, this Jesus you crucified, God's building an eternal structure with Him, and you tossed Him aside. You rejected Him. In fact, probably close to the very place that they are, Jesus stood not long ago, and He talked about destroying the temple, and how He was going to rebuild the temple. And He's trying to let them know that God is going to do something in a powerful way. And Peter, in his boldness, because he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, you say things that you wouldn't usually say on your own, because you have no fear. He said, hey, this Jesus that you crucified, this Jesus you don't want us talking about, You threw Him aside. You rejected Him. In fact, I want you to know that salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name. There's that word again. There's no other name by which we must be saved. So Peter keeps preaching, and he keeps preaching about Jesus. And it is at this point on in the book of Acts that the followers of Jesus and the rulers and authorities, this is just the first small riot. The persecution is coming. Because they're challenged by Peter and John. But they're not afraid. Because they're empowered. They're not afraid. So, we keep reading in. Verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Isn't that something? The unschooled folks just schooled the educated folks. Don't you like that? They just schooled them. Now, you need to realize, Peter is speaking to what we would call the Supreme Court of the day. You've got the rulers, and you've got the priests, and you've got the Sadducees. You've got the wealthiest, most intellectual, most powerful people in the land. This is the same court that condemned Jesus to die, and Peter knows they could condemn him to die as well. And yet, instead of being the victim here, Peter's the judge. And he's telling them what's going on. How in the world can Peter and John stand there so boldly? 
Because you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you can be empowered the same way. God still wants to pour His Spirit into Christ followers today so that we preach boldly in the same way. So the Sanhedrin doesn't know what to do. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. Hey, you guys just step aside. We, we need to have a little sidebar. You, you guys just leave the room. They don't know what to do because on one side of the room you got Peter and John. On the other side of the room you got the guy that was just healed. I mean, you've got your living example right here. They didn't know what to do. What are we going to do with these men? Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they've done an outstanding miracle. And we can't deny it. What's wrong with this story here? They know a miracle has happened. They know that God has done something powerful. The guy is standing right here. We don't know what to do here. But to stop this thing from spreading. Don't you like that? To stop this thing. Hey, what are you doing on Sunday morning? I'm going to this thing. Well, where is this thing? Well, it's down on Dundee Road. I mean, we should change the name of our sign, the name out on the church sign to this thing. To stop this thing. They don't even know what to call this thing. To stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. You can speak all you want about God. You can speak all you want about people and you can bring them into the temple and you can worship. But you're not going to speak in this name. Eight times in Acts 3 and 4, this name keeps showing up. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So the response of the rulers, the response of the Supreme Court is, hey, listen, listen, you can go teach and preach all you want, but not in this name. You're not going to preach Jesus risen. How would you respond in that situation? Your boss calls you in, he hears it, overhears the conversation and says, look, listen, listen, listen. I love you working here, I'm glad you're here, you do a good job, but I don't want you speaking in this name anymore. Suppose the principal calls you in. Says, hey, listen, listen, uh, we hear that uh, in the morning early you come and meet. Um, yeah, you're not going to speak in this. You can come to school, you can do your work, you can participate in whatever, but you're not going to speak in this name. What if your spouse says, you know what, I am sick and tired of you talking about this name. This, How would you respond? How would you respond if the Supreme Court calls you in and says, now listen, 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 you can go to church. I don't want you causing any trouble, but you're not going to speak in this name anymore. So they see the boldness and the courage of Peter, and they're astonished, and they don't know what to do. And so here's what they decided. You know, <clears throat> we can't kill them, but we'll just keep them from speaking. We'll keep them from preaching Jesus Christ. So they warned them to speak no longer in this name, and they commanded them not to speak or teach. So... <clears throat> Here's what's going on. Peter said, Peter and John replied, You judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's eyes, God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. Kind of reminds me of Jeremiah. You remember Jeremiah? Jeremiah said, You know what? I've got a fire in my bones. I can't put it out. I'm going to keep speaking. Wow. After further threats, I don't know what those were. Verbal threats. Physical threats. After further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them. Because all the people are praising God for what had happened. And I don't know why God in His 
sovereignty wants us to know for the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. I guess everybody over 40 could use a good healing. I, I don't know. But they mentioned that this guy, 40 years old, was 40 years old. So Peter and John are empowered. And they said, you know what? We can't help speaking about what we've seen and heard. You can't stop us. You can't stop the power. You can't stop the Holy Spirit. You can't stop what we're going to do. You decide, Peter says. We've already decided. We've made a decision. You decide if what we're doing is right or wrong in the sight of God. But we can't help but speak. Because when you're filled with the Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God empowers you, you can't help but speak. You might be in power. You might control the people. You might control the media. You might control the politics. You might control the government. You might control this local town. You might control the church. You might control your family. But you can't control us. Our allegiance is not to you. Our allegiance is to God. And we can't help but speak about Jesus. Since that day, Christians have continued to preach boldly, speak courageously, and be empowered to witness. So here's what's going on in Acts. You get down to the end of Acts, and they release Peter and John, and they go back to the people, and they reported to all the chief priests what all the chief priests had done. And when everybody heard this, they raised their voices in prayer. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And they're praying to God. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand and should happen. And then they said this. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And could you just make the bad people go away? Lord, consider their threats. And could you just protect us a little bit? Consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name. There it is again. Through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And spoke the word of God boldly. They didn't pray for escape. They prayed for enablement. They didn't pray for an easier life. They prayed for an empowered life. They didn't pray for new position. They prayed for new power. They didn't pray for protection. They prayed for power. They prayed for boldness. Lord, this stuff's going to... Evidently, this persecution and these riots are going to keep happening. So because they're going to keep happening, would you give us the boldness in the midst of this riot... Would you give us boldness to keep being witnesses? You want to know how God responds in this chapter? God shakes the place. And He fills them again with His Spirit. And they prayed for boldness and God gave them boldness so that they would keep preaching and being witnesses. And that's what the church needs to be praying for today. That's what as individual Christians we need to be praying for today. God, would you give me boldness? Would you give me courage? Timidity has no place in the life of a Christian. For God didn't give us a spirit of timidity. We need to pray for boldness and we need to pray for power so that when we go to work, Lord, would you give me the boldness to say what I need to say about you so that I can be a witness for you. Lord, when, and when I go home to my family, would you give me the boldness 
so that I can tell my family and say what I need. Lord, when I encounter people, wherever it is, at lunch, a waiter, a waitress, Lord, would you give me the boldness so that I would say the things that you want me to say? And God will do that for you. He will empower you to be a witness. Because that's what He promised. You will receive power and you will be witnesses. The religious leaders, they want to silence Peter and John and followers of Jesus. Satan, he wants to silence Peter and John and followers uh, uh, of Jesus. The world today wants to silence the church. You guys can go to church, just don't cause any trouble. Don't bother us out in the world. Don't come out into the world and preach Jesus. To, go do what you want and, and, you know, just don't bother us. Just don't preach Jesus. And the world is still trying to silence us today. Folks, we've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given God's presence in our lives. The message hasn't changed. There's salvation in no one else. The world's out there searching for salvation somewhere. And we have the good news on where they can find it. And we remain silent. There's one more response in this chapter. It's your response. How do you respond to Jesus today? Does the message of Jesus disturb you because it should? Someone dying for us, someone going to the cross, someone being crucified, someone taking our place should disturb us to the point that we want to respond in some way. That we repent of our lives and we're baptized so that we can be filled with God's Spirit, so we can live the kind of lives that God created us to live. It ought to disturb us to the point that we respond in some way. Does the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus disturb you? Another question, what kind of witness are you? Are you a silent witness? Just off to the side? I don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to cause trouble at work. Are you a silent witness? Are you praying for boldness? You know the situations in your life, at work, at home, in the world, friendships, family. Do you know the situations in your life that you know where you need to have boldness? Are you praying for boldness, Lord? Would you just, I need to talk to this person. Would you give me the opportunity, the boldness? In the, are you praying for boldness? Where do you need to pray for boldness now? Does the message of Jesus disturb you? On Wednesday, October 11, 1994, NASA's Magellan Space Explorer fell silent. The Magellan had circled Venus more than 15,000 times since arriving at the planet in 1990, but on this day, NASA scientists intentionally changed the satellite's course and sent it veering into the planet where it burned to a crisp in the atmosphere. Why would NASA send the Magellan, which cost $900 million, plummeting into the planet? Because Magellan was virtually out of power. One final experiment had drained its batteries to the point where it could no longer transmit data. You see, without power, even the highest technology is worthless. And without power, your life, in essence, is worthless. And without the Holy Spirit and the power of God... You can't live the kind of life that God wants you to live. 
You need to be plugged in to the power of God. How do I get that? I'd like to have the power and boldness and courage of Peter and John. Repent of your sins. Turn from your evil ways. Be baptized into the name of Jesus. Because there's power in that name. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is God living in you. God wants to dwell in you and empower you in ways that you've never had power before. If that's what you need today, if you need some power in your life, can I encourage you to respond? This church family will pray for you and embrace you. If you've never repented and been baptized, can I encourage you to do that today? You don't have to do it in front of people if you want to do it after worship. If you want to do it this afternoon. If you want to do it tonight. We'll do it anytime you want to. But can I encourage you to be baptized? If you need the shepherds of this congregation, they go to the back when we stand and sing. And if you need to go meet with them, they will take you to a private room and embrace you in prayer. Folks, you need... We all need... The power of God in our lives. If you need to respond to His invitation today, please do so as we stand and sing.